or a phone, something you'll be looking at the Scriptures with us this morning. We'll be in Luke chapter 10. We'll be finishing Luke 10 this morning. Um, If you haven't been with us um, very long, we do tend to save the bulk of our worship um, through, through song for after the sermon. We do that because we believe the Lord most clearly, um, most regularly speaks to us, reveals Himself to us through His Word. And so we want to worship in response to what the Lord shows us in His Word this morning. Um, and, and as well, if you, if you haven't been with us long, we, we, this is kind of our MO that we, we preach chapter by chapter through Scripture. Um, we attempt to alternate an Old Testament and a New Testament book, um, believing that all of God's Word is inspired, all of it is, is, is beneficial to us. And so we've been working through Luke now for the last few months, um, and, and what we have seen is that Luke is writing an orderly account, right, trying to show us the life of Jesus from really the birth announcement of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner for Jesus, through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And then he has a sequel, which is the book of Acts, um, which is the first generation or so of the church. And that he is looking to bring assurance and hope and, 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 and solid footing for those who are asking the question of who is this Jesus. Right? And so we have been looking at that now for the last few months. Um, last week, we were in a very familiar passage, um, the, the passage of the, the Good Samaritan. Right where a lawyer comes to Jesus and asks the question, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Right, An excellent question to ask. But he was really putting Jesus to the test. He, he, didn't really want, he was trying to see if he could get Jesus to say something that wasn't orthodox, right? that wasn't true to the law. Um, in the end, where, where we leave that passage is that we know that we are to be devoted to the Lord right, with all of our mind, our body, our soul, and our strength. And then the question that we're asking isn't, who is my neighbor? Because Jesus tells us that everyone is our neighbor. But the question is, is are we being a good neighbor? Are we loving God in the way that we love people? And this whole section here of Luke is Jesus, He is with resolve, is headed towards Jerusalem, and He is discipling His disciples into what it's going to look like right, to continue the mission, to continue... The, the story once Jesus has left the scene. Right? They're struggling to understand that the Messiah, the, the anointed one of God, is actually going to die. Right? That it's not going to go um, with an apparent victory into Jerusalem. It's going to look like defeat. And so he's helping them understand that, that the servant that has come from the Lord is going to suffer. And so he is discipling them as to what it looks like to be one who knows and loves God. We've seen him earlier in this chapter send out not just the 12, but the larger 72 from the crowds out to minister. Right? They've come back and, and have been excited about what the Lord has done through them and casting out demons and bringing healing. And Jesus reminds them, yes, that those things have happened, but you should celebrate that your name is written in heaven. Right? That is what we're celebrating, is that you belong to God. And so let's pick up here at the end of chapter 10, as he continues to show us what it looks like to be a faithful disciple. Now as they went on their way, this is Jesus and the, and the disciples, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed, her, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. 
But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. What a what an interesting like kind of glimpse into the life of Jesus here, right? Like where we have been seeing um, um, battles with the religious leaders, we've been seeing casting out demons, we've seen the transfiguration, right, where the veil of Jesus's humanity is pulled back momentarily, and that they see, oh, this is this is God, right? Like we've seen these huge, big, powerful moments in the life of Christ. And here, Luke is going to give us this small, short, quick story right? That is, that's happening inside someone's home. I think it's important for us to, to remember that not everyone has welcomed Jesus in. That was like We've had Samaritan villages and others who have told Jesus to move on. It's not a given that He's going to be received, but here He is. And we have this little vignette, this little story and you can almost imagine the, the sibling rivalry intention here, right? That, that Jesus is there, and Martha, the older sister, is making sure, as it would be culturally appropriate, that everything is taken care of. She's making sure the food is ready. The, like, she's doing all the things. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, um, which would have been unusual um, for a woman to have been doing this. And as... The day goes on, and she can, Mary continues to listen to Jesus, and Martha continues to serve. You can imagine um, there's some sign happening, right? That Martha's working real hard to get Mary's attention, right? Maybe some things are being clattered a little bit as they're put on the table, right? Like that she's she's like trying to will Mary to look up from Jesus to look at her so she can be like, right, like. I'm not going to interrupt what Jesus is doing, but are you kidding me? Like, you can imagine the exasperation in Martha with a little extra noise, some size, some body language, right? Some, like, you can, you can picture this scene, right? Many of you have probably been in a kitchen or on a job site, right, where there seems to be someone who's always able to not be working, right? Like, there's, they're always the one that's just somehow able to avoid the work, and they always have a reason, right? And, and the, the level of frustration that just builds throughout the afternoon or the evening as you're seeing this take place. To the point that Martha, honey, is like, you know who's on my side? Jesus is on my side. Like, he, he will correct this. She hasn't picked up on my body language. She hasn't picked up on my exasperated size. She's not looking in my way so I can give her the eye, right? Hey, Jesus. And, and we see here that Martha is fully anticipating being vindicated by Jesus here. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Right? Like, God, you see what I'm doing? Okay. Tell her then to help me. And this story, much like the story of the prodigal son, we relate to Martha. In the story of the prodigal son, um, the son who stays with the father, right? We, we resonate often with that one. And w- when the party happens for the son that has come back, we're like, God, are you sure that's what you wanted? Are you sure you weren't supposed to honor the one who stayed? 
here we look at Martha and we're going, um, are, God, you're going to vindicate her, right? Like she's doing the right thing. She's serving. She's playing the culturally appropriate role. And Mary isn't doing anything. That would have been the anticipated, expected answer here. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious. You're troubled about many things. Not just this, about many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken from her. Like, his answer here would have been shocking. One, that he is permitting a woman to act like a disciple and to sit at his feet. Um, just like last week, the Samaritan being the hero of the story, when, when they were raci racially, ethnically, spiritually hated by Jews, was a shocking contrast. Here we have a woman being affirmed as a disciple um, of Jesus would have been shocking because Martha was doing what would have been perceived as culturally appropriate. And, and would we even just notice here the, the beautiful absurdity of the incarnation, right? That, that God Himself has put on flesh and is sitting in someone's home to have a question about a, a sibling issue here, right? Like that, that Martha is talking to God about her frustration with her sister not helping her in the kitchen. Like, we, we can quickly kind of move through that and, and forget that this is the God-man who has been from all time, who has put on flesh to come and walk among us. And here we are having a very human conversation with God Himself. And, and so we... Um, Listen, I think we relate to Martha most likely here. We see ourselves in her. So the question I really want us to spend some time on this morning is how in our life and where in our life are we like Martha? The first place is this, is that it can be um, really easy for us to be like Martha and that we attempt to work for God. right? That we attempt to work for God even in the earning of our salvation. Right, like maybe we know enough, we've been around the church enough to know we shouldn't say that, right? That we know that there's grace, but we live in such a manner that we are trying to get God's attention. Right? That that we're the one that we're going to church and maybe we're giving some money and we're serving people and we're hanging out with a neighbor that no one likes. And if we're not careful, our actions and our our um our attitude is that we're the exasperated one sign going, God, do you see me? God, have you noticed what I'm doing? God, like, bless me, help me, do for me. We're, I'm working for you, God. Give me approval. And so maybe it's to gain His attention, or maybe it's because we believe it'll actually work to save us, right? That it'll make God say, okay, you get to come to heaven, right? That we're not so bad that we can't get this thing sorted out. We see this. Um, in, in, in Scripture, where, where there is a, a, a story in Matthew where they're standing before God, and He says, hey, I don't know you. And they say, but look, we cast out demons, and we, like, we did all these spiritual things for you. And God says, but I don't know you. Right? Like your spiritual behavior, your spiritual activity isn't enough. You can't earn your salvation. This is about knowing Me. Receiving from Me the gift of salvation, the grace that is there. Maybe for you, you're thinking, I, I don't work for my salvation. I know I can't do that. But as you think about today, this morning, the past week, that you know that very often in your life, you are too busy 
You're too tired. You're too indifferent. You're too overwhelmed. You're too entertained to meet with Jesus. Right? You're too something. And maybe you have had moments even this week where you have sat down to meet with Jesus and your mind and your heart won't settle enough for it to take place. Like you might even have put in some energy to fight it and you're just like, God, I'm trying, but it feels like the words on the page aren't there and when I pray, my mind wanders. Uh, I'll come back to it. Or you're saying, God, I am overwhelmed by the emotions in my life right now. I can't begin to like sit with you. Or God, it's just way too easy um, and there's too much to do. Right? I'm just too busy. I've got good intentions and I will get to it soon. Right? We, the, the, the cultural norms of, of the world around us fight against us meeting with Jesus. Right? With, that we have a phone in our pocket that is a constant distraction. And some of the, those distractions can be good things. It's people that you're connecting with and that you're ministering to. Right? But that you have this thing that you can always, in any moment, Make sure that your mind is not silent, that you're not alone, because it will fill the gap of time. You'll even see um, apps and games that are developed for phones, and, and their, their advertisement will be like wasting and killing time. Right? Like, like that's, that's the whole marketing ploy is, right? You, you, you couldn't have any time that should be downtime. Right? It's just that we are constantly surrounded by noise or that you are chasing smoke, right? Chasing the vapors that we saw earlier this year in Ecclesiastes of desperately not wanting your kids to miss out on any opportunity or activity. And so your family is running roughshod, right? All week long over yourselves with no downtime at all because you can't imagine missing out on an opportunity, or you're trying to make more money, and maybe not so that you can be wealthy, maybe just so that you can survive. Right? But these good things, they're not bad things, can become all-consuming. And like Martha, we become distracted with much. Right? We become anxious with much because it's the tyranny of the urgent. I wanted to meet with God. I meant to meet with God. I desire to meet with God. I'm going to, and something else always comes up. Right? There's just this constant, ah, okay, tomorrow will be different. Ah, okay, the day after that will be different. Okay, I'm going to do it today at this time, and something, a phone call happens, a text happens, a call happens, a new practice happens. Like, something is always happening. Part of that is spiritual warfare, right? That we have an enemy that's looking to distract us. Part of it is how we've wired our lives. Right? That, that we can relate to Martha because we are Martha. Right? Spiritually, we can become so distracted with everything else that's going on. And because we know Jesus is there and He'll be there, we just keep thinking that it, it'll happen. It, we'll get there. It'll eventually... Come on. It, it's going to happen. And there is a danger in all of this that we can be doing the right things. Like, Jesus does not condemn Martha here saying, hey, what are you thinking serving? Right? The serving wasn't the problem. It was the motivation for her serving that was the issue. And the danger for us is that we can do some of the right things. We can actually have devotions. We can meet with Jesus. We can serve the church. And we can do those things and not be pleasing and honoring the Lord. 
if our desire in those moments is for our own self-approval. It's not worship. It's not pleasing the Lord. It's so that you will think a certain thing about me. We can do, like, I can stand up here and preach a sermon and my heart that you cannot see can be going desperately. Man, I hope someone says something afterwards. I need approval and I want you to think well of me and I want you to think how humble. I, that can be happening. Or it can be, God, thank you that you allow me to serve these people, this body, in this way for this time. What a gift that is and I want to honor you in that. And the sermon from the outside looks the same. But there's an internal like, battle going on as to which of those motivations are driving me. Right? We can get up in the morning to meet with the Lord and pull out our Scripture, right? And we can do it because we feel like if we don't, God's not going to be happy with us. Or our day's not going to go as well, right? And that's about us or we can do it to meet with the King of the universe, right? The action is the same. The motive changes it. Serving, right, can be done because we want to image the character of our Lord and Savior who has rescued and served us. And it can be done out of um, selflessness. Or it can be done of, hey, it doesn't hurt to have someone owe you a favor. And I'll never say that, right? I will never articulate that, but, right, but the motive of it can be driven by the wrong thing. And the outside can look the same. Listen, I, I confess, I've had weeks, seasons of my life where, where I've been doing ministry all week long that matters and is important, and I have not been meeting um, with Jesus for, for myself, right? I've been, I've been pointing people to something that I'm not partaking of, right? And it's easy to do the right things, the good things, and have a distracted heart that are not receiving what we need ourselves. And that's what Jesus looks at Martha and says, listen, you're anxious and troubled about many things. He's not upset with her for serving. He's upset, right? He's correcting her for missing Him in the midst of the serving. And so we have to check our hearts and understand the danger of that I do want to make a quick caution and aside. This is not to say that we don't do anything. Right? Like we can quickly think of numerous Scriptures, right? Jesus tells us Himself, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. He tells us in the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Um, Paul will say that if you don't take care of your family, that you're worse than an unbeliever. Um, Paul will also say, I worked harder than anyone, but by the grace of God, did things be where they produced. Ephesians 2.10, after we're saved, it says, then go therefore and walk right in the things that God has, the good works He's created for us from before the foundation of the earth. Right? So it's not that we are to sit and do nothing. That is not what we're to get from Mary here. What we are to see in this passage is that we're to get Jesus. And then to be motivated by Him in our action and in our service. So just a quick caution there. So, this passage is often can be used to shame us, right? That we can see it and go, oh, I'm Martha, I'm not Mary, and we feel shame, and we, we go, okay, God, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to do better. Which is the exact opposite response. What do we do with this passage? 
Because it's not shame. If you're feeling shame this morning, that's not what we have for you. But we are to repent. I want to read to you, this is from Jeremiah in the Old Testament, uh, chapter 2, verse 13. God says about His people, My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken Me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed, they've made out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so even prior to Christ putting on flesh and walking amongst, among us, um, God had told His people, listen, you are prone to leaving Me behind and doing all the things that actually won't satisfy and you make these things that you believe will hold water, and you pour, hold them up, and dirt comes out. And so you're frustrated, and you're not satisfied, and I'm the fount of living water. The thing that your soul longs for and needs desperately is me. And you have walked away from that, and then thought you could replace me with something that won't satisfy. Right? We, we see this being enacted here in Luke chapter 10. Would we be honest that, that our busyness and our schedules and all the ways that we can miss Jesus don't bring us satisfaction? Right? That we have a longing as well. And so the call for myself and for each of us this morning would be to repent. Right? It would be to turn from the things that don't satisfy and to believe that Jesus does. And that's potentially for you for the first time that you're seeing that Jesus might be the answer. And it could be for some of you, for most of us, that you know that Jesus is the answer. But you have walked away and looked for other things to satisfy. You've known the right thing, but you haven't acted in it. Right? And we repent. Because Romans 2 tells us it's, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's not the shame of the Lord. It's the kindness of the Lord that we will find grace and mercy. Listen um, to what we see here in, in Matthew 11. Verse 28. Come to Me. This is Jesus speaking. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for your yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is saying, if you feel a lack of satisfaction, if you feel burdened and weighed down, like you can't gain and do all that you need, He's like, come and find rest for your soul. Come and find rest. Like I'm here and you can have Me and enjoy Me. I want you to look back in the, in the passage in verse 41. I want you to notice the tenderness of Jesus. That if you're wondering this morning, like, is He mad at me? Is He ashamed of me? Is there something I can turn to? Is there something... Right? When, he noticed, when Martha asked the question about her sister, Jesus in verse 41 says, The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Right? Like, what gentleness. Like, hey, Martha, slow down. Martha, Martha, hey, I see that look in your face, Martha. Hey, Mary's not wrong. Like, he doesn't rebuke her. He does not condemn her. He doesn't run roughshod over her. He sees her, and he sees that this is deeper, and it's internal. And he says, you're anxious. 
And you're troubled about many things. It's not even just about this, right? You're worried about how things are going to be perceived and how people are going to think. Like, you're Martha. Like, I love the tenderness of Jesus here. And so this morning, if you need to repent, would you know that you'll be met by the same tender Jesus who has said to us, Come, you who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest. That it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And even here, we see someone who is missing the point receive the tenderness of Jesus. We repent because we have access to God through Jesus. Mary is sitting in the moment hearing the teaching of Jesus going, I want it all. And Scripture tells us that we have access as well. This is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why? Because Jesus has lived the life we were meant to live. He lived a perfectly dependent, obedient, faithful life that we were called to and have not done. He's done it for you. And then as you are a rebel, unable to rescue yourself, unable to make it r- yourself right with the Lord, He died to satisfy the wrath of God towards sinners and rebels. He has rescued us, right? Because He had lived the life we were supposed to, died the death we were supposed to, and then has walked out of the tomb. Right? He has beaten sin and Satan and death, and He is alive today. And so when we have need at any point, as Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, we have access to the throne room of God because Jesus is alive today. He has left us His Spirit as a comforter, as a guide. He's left us His Word that is alive and able to pierce our thoughts and our motives and our desires and our intents. But the church, Jesus is alive. He is not a thought. He is not an idea. He's not someone where He is alive and ministering today. The book of Acts, they're saying everything that happens, Jesus, we can't see Him. He's alive. He's doing this. He's doing it in us and through us. He is the better bread. Remember in Luke 4, when Satan comes and tempts Jesus, tells him, hey, make these stones into bread. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 8, 3 and says, no, no, no. It, man does not live by bread alone. And what we will find, and, and John says it so clearly in chapter 6, is that Jesus is the better bread. This is John 6.35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to Me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in Me shall never thirst. As we think about those cisterns that don't satisfy, Jesus is saying, when you're hungry, I'll feed you. When you're thirsty, I'll refresh you. Like that I am the thing that lasts. I am the thing that's eternal. I will care for you. Don't miss out for the lesser thing and miss the better thing. Church, the call for us this morning is this, is that we can feast in Jesus. We can banquet with Jesus, everything that your soul longs for and desires and needs is found in Jesus. And we would be a fool to miss that. To take the lesser thing instead of the better thing. To be entertained to death, right? To take the noise and the busyness 
and miss Jesus. Right? Martha had the Son of God in her home, and she's rattling dishes. Mary is sitting there with the one thing, the right thing, the better thing. Remember, John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and his disciples. They're like, hey, why don't y'all fast? Right? We fast. Why don't you fast? And Jesus says, why would, why would they fast? I'm here. I'm here. When I leave, they'll fast. But right now, I'm here. One more passage. This is Isaiah 55. Verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. The one who has no money, come buy and eat. Listen, you don't deserve the table. You can't earn the table, and you don't have enough money to buy the table. But he says, come, the one who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price, because Jesus has done the work for us. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? It's the same idea as Jeremiah 2 of the broken cisterns. Why do you work for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. He has invited us to feast in Him. To know Him and to be right to taste and see that He is good. Last week in chapter 10, the lawyer knew the right answer but it was without action. Here we see Mary knowing the right answer and she acts on it because she goes to Jesus. In Luke 6, Jesus tells us that the one who is no, knows Him, who hears His Word and follows Him, is the one who builds His house on solid ground, who has a good foundation. It's not just knowing the right thing, it's doing and acting on the right thing. And so it means that we sit with the Lord, we go to Him in prayer, and in His Word. That we trust Him and know Him. Listen, it's not what you've done or not done. What you will do. It is what Jesus has done for you. It's why you belong at the table. It's who we are. We are adopted sons and daughters of the King. It is not what you are able to produce. It is not your, your productivity. And again, that doesn't mean that we don't walk in obedience, but it's Jesus' obedience that has saved us. We get Him. We get Him. Would we be a people who would feast in and enjoy Him and walk with Him and follow Him? Would we hear Jesus say this to us this morning? One thing is necessary. That one thing is Him. Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. Because it's eternal and it's lasting. Jesus is our satisfying portion. And so this morning, our response is potentially repentance. To repent where Jesus hasn't been our portion. Where we have known the right thing and we have not gone to Him for satisfaction. So maybe you're, it's very clear some things that you are seeking right now that are smoke, they're vapor, you can see them, you can't grab them, and they don't satisfy. And you need to break those cisterns. right? And ask the Lord, Lord, help me to sit with you, to walk with you, to feast in you, to be satisfied in you. Maybe it's our prayer this morning is, God, I know the right thing and I don't want to do it. God, help me. Soften.
send my heart to you again. Maybe for some it's, it's the Lord is saying, you have sought satisfaction in everything but me, and for the first time today I'm calling you to trust me that I will satisfy. Taste and see that I'm good. There'll be some men and some women in the back of the room. If you need someone to talk to and to pray with, would you allow the Spirit to minister through this short story to you this morning? That we would be a people who would take the one thing and we would enjoy Him. We'll stand and we'll sing to our King. If you need to sit, you can do that. If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, you can do that as well. But let's respond to our King as He calls and directs us this morning. Jesus, we want You. We need You. Would we not be satisfied with lesser things? Would we not be satisfied with time and the Word that doesn't get us to You? Would we not be satisfied with serving that is for our approval and not to honor and to image Your good character? God, would we not be satisfied with busy schedules that mean that we miss out on You? God, give us the courage, the wisdom, the insight to see what in our life needs to shift, what maybe needs to go away, so that we get the better thing. God, would we be willing to have those conversations as husbands and wives? Would we be willing to have those conversations with our children? God, would we be willing to have those conversations in gospel community to just say, I'm not sure how to do this. Help. But Lord, would we be merry? And when we're Martha, would we be repenters? Lord, we want you, we need you, we ask you, Lord, to help us see you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.